Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this Sunday morning. My name is Michael Beneshek. I'm one of your Warm Heart pastors. It is so good to have you. And if you're joining us online, welcome to each and every one of you. We pray that you find a blessing in today's service, for we are certainly blessed to have you with us. I saw some of you last night. Uh, College of Idaho had a, had a watch party uh, for their basketball team. They won the national championship last night for schools of their size. So see it. A couple of you were there last night. Good, to have, glad you came this morning. Uh, it, was, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we do a lot of food around here. Uh, Mary Methodist meet tonight. In case you're curious, uh, what what does it take to be a Mary Methodist? Do you have to be Mary? No, you you don't have to. You can be grumpy, but you, when you come, you will be Mary after after your interaction with them because they are uh, their Mary is contagious. Do you have to be a Methodist? Not so much, but uh, you can pretend while you're there, and it's, it's uh, potluck, 5 o'clock, over in the Family Life Center. Uh, keeping with the food theme, next Sunday, Pastor Jen is putting together a, a lunch party for anyone who wants to just go to church and then go to lunch. Uh, we're going to take over the Smoky Mountain Pizza at 1245, so i got to make sure the sermon is, is right on time, so you all get to lunch. Uh, but when you go, there's no study, there's no lesson, there's no sermon. It is 
fun fellowship food. So uh, if you want to come, uh, let, let the office know or Pastor Jen know. You can't, you can't tell a Pastor Jen today. Uh, she called in sick this morning. Our prayers are with her. If you're watching us, Jen, good to have you. And uh, Bill, our piano player, is also out with, uh, with some of the crud. So uh, our prayers are also with him uh, this morning. Uh, so good luck, team. You'll do fine. It'll be great. Uh, hard to believe, but our next blood drive is coming up. They, they recycle them through every two months, so you can jump on board you know, every eight weeks. Uh, Monday, April 3rd, you might be type A, as in A, I can't wait to give blood. You might be a type B or be not forgetful to ask Lisa to sign you up. You might be type, what else is there? Oh, 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 aren't the snacks after, after donations uh, wonderful? Or you might be type A, A, B is, A, B is one, right? A, oh, how, how do you, how to play this off? A, B, be excited about, okay, Pastor Mike should stop writing announcements. Uh, blood drive, two weeks. Uh, we hope to see you there. Check out the rest of the bulletin to see what's going on in the life of the church. Sign in, let us know you're here. You're, every row, every pew has a sign-in sheet. Uh, pass it on down if there's other people in your pew. And uh, you know what? You got some neat people sitting next to you. Let's take a moment. Greet those around us in Christian love and then remain standing for, uh, for the opening songs that the worship team will lead us in.
seated. Unless you're a kid. If you're a kid, like, you know, fifth grade and below, come on down. This is your time in worship. Hi, have a seat. What the what? I know. I'll explain it. This is my fire stick. My candle lighter. Good to see you guys. I'm not going to make the fire alarm go off in here. I've made it go off in the FLC before, and that's embarrassing. But it won't go off in here. Uh, although we do have fire suppression systems, this isn't big enough to pull that off. Why do you think we have candles in church? It, oh, yeah. worship of God, a lot of, in, in the olden days, they would put, uh, uh, fire was an important part of, of worship. Yeah. Do you have one? Could be. Could be. We talk about God being light. We bring light into the world. And this is the light of Christ for us. A lot of times for worship, we have, we have people come on down and uh, with, a, with a candle lighter like this, and they light the candles uh, right before worship. And after worship, uh, those same people after worship, like during the last song, they come up and they, they light this again so the light of Christ is still on there. And then, what do you think that does? That looks like a fun bell, doesn't it? You, you, you blow it? You could. What this does is if, if you put this over the, over the lights, it, 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 what it does is it takes away the oxygen and the light goes out. So you don't have to blow it out, but you can put it out like that. Well, this is what I, this is what, whoa. all right, what we're doing, what we're doing is don't blow it out. We don't want to blow out the light of Christ. Uh, and after worship, they light this again, and then we walk out. When we walk out, the light of Christ goes out, meaning that we bring the light of Christ into the world, into our families, into our relationships, into our schools, into our work. But yeah, when I get out there, I blow it out and try not to blow, make the fire alarms go off. That's what happens. Uh, but the person who does this job is typically called an acolyte. An acolyte. That's a fun Greek word, isn't it? That looks like an uh, uh, acolyte, we get the word from the Greek, akolukos, which means follower or helper. Yeah, akolukos, an acolyte. So we're going to have some acolyte training here at the church sometime soon because we're going to bring back some acolytes into our worship for both services, I think. I know, we'll miss you. But uh, <laughs> uh, if, if anyone wants to be an acolyte, you don't have to be a kid. We're happy to, to, to dress you up and, and help you light the candle. They never trusted me being an acolyte when I was your age. Um, something about fire and Mike didn't, didn't work well. Uh, I remember once doing it, walking down for my, for my aunt's wedding. And my mom told me, be very careful because they could, this was like the 1980s. This is way before your time. But they could smell the aquanet in people's hair and they didn't want to. It's what I remember from the wedding. Can you believe it? 20 years before you were born. Yeah. Someone asked me a while back, how many people in your church are getting older? And I said, all of them. We're all going. There's no one going the other way. So this is pretty cool. This is one of the only places that you'll have with candles. Some restaurants have candles, and that's always a cool thing. But church will always have candles because it's the light of Christ for us. 
Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Can you do me a favor? Can you blow that out for me so I don't? Thank you so much. Yay, let's pray. God above, we ask your blessings upon these little ones that as they grow in godliness and in your favor, that they bring the light of Christ to the places where they go, whether it be school or preschool or nursery or wherever it is they go. Uh, may they carry you, you in their hearts uh, all the days of their life. And the family of God said, amen. Thanks for coming down today. Typically, Pastor Jen would give our, our prayer today, but like I said, she is out sick. So, Jen, if you're watching, our, our thoughts are with you, and please get healthy. Please be back in two weeks because you're giving the sermon then. So, uh, uh, great if you're back, back by then. We're going to have a moment of, of a contemplative prayer, a silent prayer. If you want to share them out loud, that's fine. If you want them to keep them in your heart, that's fine too. We'll have a few moments of that, followed by a pastoral prayer. And Lord's Prayer. If you don't know the Lord's Prayer, it'll be up on the screen. What are the, what are the prayers of our church family today? Heavenly Father, as we, as we wait for spring, sometimes our hearts are impatient. Get us out of this winter, this winter that's on the calendar, but also the winter in our hearts. We seem to, to want what we want right now and we don't want to wait. As kids, we used to long for birthdays or, or summer or Christmas or whatever. And we never grow out of that. As adults, we get the things we need without saving for them, or we, we long for certain times in our lives. Kids can't wait to be teenagers. Teenagers can't wait to be adults. And we're always striving ahead to some distant future without, without enjoying the present. We adults who are working, we look forward to retirement. And those who have retired wondered, where did the time go? Lord, we long for eternity when we don't know what to do on a rainy afternoon. Help us to give the time that you have given us to its fullest. That we not, that we not pine away for, for some distant future or to continually bring up the past and regret or thinking that our best days are gone. For we know, dear God, that our best days are yet to come in the promise that we have in you. In the meantime, remind us that this is the day that, that you have made. Let us rejoice and, and find that, that joy within. We pray these things through your son, Jesus Christ, through the prayer that he taught his disciples by sharing these words together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this one. If you're willing and able, let's stand and sing our next hymn, Morning Has Broken.
Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. <clears throat> the first um, scripture I'll be reading is from Psalm 22, 1 through 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, Sabukthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Thank you, Lisa. I'm going to make you think way back here. English class. High school, you learn the five W questions. The who, the what, and why. Most of you even had the same order of them, right? Uh, and, and nowadays they throw in the how. I don't get the how, but, uh, uh, but we got the five W's. Who, what, when, where, why. The five W questions designed to gather information, facts, and figures. This is the sort of stuff we learn in history class, right? Who? A simple fact. What? What did that guy or gal do? When? At what time did such and such place thing take place? Where? In what location did such and such do such and such at such and such time at such and such place? A lot of suches. And in history class, I ruled because I can memorize dates. I, I, I had that part down. Uh, simple facts I can commit to memory. Civil War, 1861 to 65, across five Aprils. First American in space, uh, Alan Shepard. Magna Carta, 1215. Uh, I loved looking for this kind of stuff. My own, my own hometown uh, was named uh, uh, Malcolm, Nebraska, a little tiny town. Even people in Malcolm never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> that's how small it was. Uh, but Malcolm, named after Malcolm Showers, and I, who's Malcolm Showers? And like, well, he's some guy. So I, 
tried to look for him. Uh, he's not. He's not buried in the town cemetery. He's not in the. He's not in the uh, genealogy book. He's not in my ancestry. Took me forever. Took me twenty five years. Yeah, that's him on the left. He looks a whole lot like Seth Meyers, I think. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he? I, I sent it to the town, and they sent it back, and they invited Seth to come out, but he hasn't responded yet. Uh, <laughs> But I couldn't find the guy. I, I, I wanted to know who, what, when, where, why with this guy. And uh, finally, I found out that he moved to Idaho after finding it uh, back when it belonged to Washington. And he passed away in Washington looking for gold um, back in the day. Mystery solved. I love looking for this kind of stuff. But the one question that's toughest to examine is the why. Why? Who, what, when, where? Simple answer. You could probably even just, just blurt out a one-word one answer. But why is more trickier? Let me try another one. Since I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Idaho. Uh, July 3rd, 1890, Idaho became a state. So you could answer who? Well, the settlers, right? Where? Idaho. When? 1890. Why? gets more tricky. And you can go into a lot of detail about how, how we became uh, a state. Back in the day, you know, we, this, this is Cayuse land, Umatilla land, Walla Walla land, Shoshone land. But then the settlers started coming. 1843, we were part of the Oregon Territory. When Oregon became a state, what became of Idaho? Idaho used to be a part of Oregon. Can you believe that? Uh, when it was a territory, Oregon became a state and we became a part of Washington. Or Washington became a part of us. I'm not sure which. Uh, later on, the House and the Senate uh, in D.C. voted uh, and passed a bill to make northern Idaho a part of Washington. Southern Idaho, where we are, would be Nevada. They passed it. The president vetoed it. <laughs> uh, president Cleveland saved Idaho. <laughs> Around this time, a large number of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints started spilling over into this territory as well. And back in the day, the, 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 the Church of the Latter-day Saints voted mostly Democrat back in the day, uh, which irked a few of the folk living here. I'm, I'm glad we're beyond those days now of, of, of fighting these kind of fights. In the next voting cycle, Idaho created an oath test saying you have to pass a test to be, you have to be straight up Protestant. You can't be Catholic, you can't be Mormon, you can't be, you have to be mm, this to vote, which took out a lot of that population uh, from voting or serving in politics or juries. And it gave the, uh, the political party of the day an upper hand. The next president was Benjamin Harris, a Republican, who all of a sudden saw Idaho as a great chance to put another two Senate seats in the, in the, in the floor there. And uh, it passed within its first year. Again, it's, it's way in the past, and I know we don't have those concerns today about voting rights or where the state borders are or pesky neighbors coming in and the like. Long story short, how did Ecclesiastes put it? There is nothing new under the sun. The point is this. Who, what, when, where? Easy to answer. Why is difficult. Knowledge is built on who, what, when, and where, but wisdom is built on why. 
Why did Oswald kill Kennedy? Why did, why did the laundry come out pink? You know? Complex questions. A while back, we needed... Uh, always ask why. Uh, about a month ago, we needed a new cell phone. We had to get, uh, we had to get a new cell phone. Uh, I'm not saying our cell phone was old, but the Amish could use it. That's how old it was. Uh, needed a cell phone. So we went down to Verizon, them there, or wherever it was. And need a phone, got the phone. I'm sorry, there's a $35 activation fee. Why? <laughs> well, to activate your phone. Like, why? <laughs> like, does it take an hour of someone's time? Does it take hardware? What, what does it take? And she's like, all I do is put your number in the computer. Like, can I do that and, and save the $35? Why? And she says, fine, I'll waive the activation fee. Always ask, why? Why, why? Our scripture this morning is a plea for understanding. This, this is uh, the, the psalm, Psalm 22, written hundreds of years before Jesus. Jesus was quoting a psalm that was hundreds of years earlier. Uh, we say it was one of his sayings on the cross. He could have been singing. This is the hymn book of, of the ancient Israelites. And the writer of the psalm is suffering. He is in danger. He knows from what. He knows when. He knows where. He knows who. But he doesn't know why. And that's the question he wants answered. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far in help in, in, in helping me? It's the question of the sciences, isn't it? Isn't that a question why we've, we've built up such, such a repertoire of education. One of the first sciences was the study of astronomy. Why does the sun come up in the east, go down in the west? Why do the stars follow, follow suit? We're, we're, we're actually at a fun place next week. Uh, next, no, tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first day of spring, right? I think it's tomorrow. Praise God. Uh, but we're at the equinox when the sun switches north to south. You know, it's kind of making that way. Uh, so tomorrow or the next day, go to well any road. If you're driving in the morning or afternoon, you hate this time because the sun goes straight up and down right right at the east and west line, right? Uh, I got a great picture from last year at this time at the railroad tracks that go through town here. They go straight east and west. The sun was going straight down, and it landed right on top of the railroad tracks. It was pretty cool. But why does it, why does it, why does this, why does it work like this? And why do the stars do their thing? And why are there a couple stars that don't do that? They, they, they wander around. They don't follow the stars. They wander. The, the, the Greek word for wander, for wander is planet, by the way. Uh, that's, where the, that's where we get the word planet because these don't follow. They must be gods. And they came up with this idea of gods of Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Neptune. Other sciences try to answer that question of why. Why do medications work or not work? Why does the human body work the way it does? Why does a car hydroplane? Philosophies try to answer the question of why. Why is there things such as justice or beauty or love or, or sport or culture or politics and the list goes on and on? Theologies try to answer that question. Why? Why did God make us to begin in, in, in the beginning? And if God is so good, why is there evil? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good until God, God, look at this day. 
The reason we say that is to remind us that God is good, even on the bad days. Our psalmist wants to know, God, where are you? Why? Why have you abandoned me? Forsaken is not a good place to be. In the old English, forsaken meant to oppose or to give up on, to abandon. You can forsake someone or an idea or a plan. You can feel forsaken when everyone opposes you. God, if you're not on my side, whose side are you on? My enemies say to me, cry out to God, see if God will help you. They they mock, they mock. No surprise that Jesus quotes Psalm 22 in his last breaths on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Abandoned. Believe it or not, Psalm 22 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Because it dares to ask the questions that really can't be answered by us. But intermixed in the anguish of the psalmist, we hear traces of hope, traces of encouragement. Yet you are holy. Our ancestors cried out to you and you listened. The psalmist believes that God has left him, but he continues to call out to God just on the off chance that God still hears. There are days that we feel like the psalmist. Poured out like water, the bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax, my mouth is dried up, and I lay in the dust of death. Maybe not that bad, but you know, there are days that feels like it could be that bad. Or we feel forsaken and we want to ask why. This is Psalm 22. It asks those questions. Why, God? What's your master plan? I can't think of what you're doing, and I don't comprehend uh, why this is taking place. Why did Jesus quote it on the cross? Isn't he part God? Doesn't he know, does, doesn't he know the answer? He's part of that trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Doesn't he know this master plan? Isn't he supposed to be in on how this is to go down? Well, he's fully God, and yet he's fully human. He's at the lowest point in his life. He's dying. This is a new experience for God. And he feels separated, not connected. I know he's quoting the psalm, but I also, here's another little fact about it. He calls God, God. Big deal, I hear you say. Big deal. This is the only time that he uses the word God for God. Every other time he uses a a relationship, he is the son or father, Abba. He uses that language for God. I got to backtrack. There are two places that he does say the word God, but it's it's still that family relationship. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's still the father-son relationship. He also tells Mary at the garden, I have to go back to your God and my God, my father and your father. So he does use the word God, but this is the only place where it's by itself. Every other place he is connected to God except right here. And he feels separated. Calling out God's name as if separate from himself. And if Jesus can feel forsaken, what, what hope do I have? What, what hope do we have? And I'm reading Psalm 22. 
and I flip the page. Guess what's right after Psalm 22? 23, you guys know your Bibles. That's awesome. Psalm 22 asks the question, why God, why? And I wonder, I just wonder if Psalm 23 is the answer or at least a hint to God's response. Y'all know Psalm 23, right? I know the words are small on here, but it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And this is a confusing part of the psalm, but it, it harkens back to Psalm 22. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And even then, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ultimately, we are to be with God in God's house. That is the opposite of forsaken. Not abandoned, but brought into relationship. So if I wanted to ask the question why that my kid asked a while back, why did God make us? Was God lonely? No. I don't think so. Did God need a hobby? Was he bored? The only thing I knew to say was God truly wants a relationship. Not forsaken. A relationship. And so I asked, why do you think mom and dad had to have, why, why do you think we wanted to have, have you guys? Was it because we were lonely? No. No, we were quite happy. Was it because we were bored? No. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, was it because we wanted to live in the land of diapers and car seats for seemingly forever? No. But it's an extension of love. That's why you do it. It's an extension of love. With kids, there's new possibilities of new relationships, new beginnings, new stories, new, new memories to come. One of God's promises to us that when we go through bad times, that we are never forsaken, we are never alone. That when the storms of life assail, when you are carrying your own cross, we can still smile and know that we are loved and that we are cared for. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The answer, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Why? For God so loved the world. That's why the family of God said, Amen. Hurricane season's coming. Earthquakes, tidal waves, natural disasters. Why, God, why? Sometimes earthquakes just happen. But we as a people of God, we respond. We respond with UMCOR. Uh, this is a Sunday that we take an offering for UMCOR in there, United Methodist Committee on Relief. Uh, 
parts of offering across the Methodist Church, across the globe, go to help, help this committee help us in those times when people ask, why God, why? We're there with food and blankets and lodging and care, and it's because of the gifts that we give today. Thank you for your offering today to help God's people in need. Let's sing Sea of Victory. See a victory. I'm gonna see 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That as we walk during these days of Lent, may we go forth with Jesus' light into the world. Amen.